Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, if I were to ask you what you thought was the key to a healthy relationship, I bet most of you would say, or you would include communication. Because without communication, I mean, there is no relationship. This holds true for any relationship we have, whether it's work, whether it's friends, whether it's marriage. For communication to be effective, it takes a healthy dose of speaking and listening. Franklin Roosevelt, our 32nd president, he would often get aggravated because of communication. Because as president, he would have to endure these long lines of people at the White House. They would walk down, shake hands, make small talk. And he always complained that no one ever paid any attention to what was being said. So one day, during a reception, he decided to try an experiment. To each person who passed down the line and shook his hand, he leaned in and he whispered, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And guests responded with phrases like, marvelous. Keep up the good work, Mr. President. We are proud of you. God bless you, sir. And it wasn't until he got toward the end of the line that his words were actually heard when he greeted the ambassador from Bolivia. And the ambassador leaned in and he whispered, well, I'm sure she had it coming, Mr. President. You see, the thing is, most people like to talk. They have that part down pretty well. It's the listening part that we often struggle with. But for you to have a healthy relationship, you must have communication. And this holds true with our most important relationship, and that is our relationship with God. You see, we were created by God to have a relationship with God. We talk to him. He talks to us. Communication. Now, I know this seems way too complicated for some people. This idea that I'm supposed to be able to hear from God, but the Bible is full of examples of God speaking to people. He conversed with Adam in the garden. He told Noah to build an ark, spoke to Moses in a burning bush. He promised Abraham a son. Paul heard his voice on the road to Damascus. So why would we think for us that anything's changed? Do we think that God suddenly developed laryngitis and he's not talking to us now? Well, you say that I've tried. I've tried this. God's never never spoken to me. You know, I think he probably has. Perhaps you just weren't listening. Or maybe you've yet to learn how to recognize his voice. So today we are going to learn what scripture tells us we can be doing to put ourselves in a position to hear from God. Now before I jump into this, I just want to first begin, I want to give you a couple reasons why hearing from God is so important. And the first reason it's important to hear from God is it confirms our relationship. It confirms our relationship. The Bible tells us in John chapter 8, verse 47, he who belongs to God hears what God says. 
I mean, if you don't communicate with God, you don't have much of a relationship with them. There's a difference between following someone and knowing someone. Now, I could tell you that I'm friends with Slash, the guitar player from Guns N' Roses. Heck, I even dressed up like him a few years back at a church Halloween harvest party. Some of the kids were like, who are you supposed to be? I'm like, your parents did a miserable job of raising you if you don't know. But anyway, I can tell you that, that uh, me and Slash, we're buds. Me and Slash are friends. And you might say, well, what do you mean by that exactly, that you're friends? Do you spend time together? And I'd be like, no, but he's a Facebook friend. I press like on his pictures, and I sometimes even comment on his page. And you'd say, well, does he like your pics? And does he comment on your page? And I'd say no. You'd say, well, have you ever even talked to him? No. And you'd probably say, now you don't really have a relationship. You're just a fan. And see, a lot of us are fans of God. We're fans of God, but we don't have a relationship. We don't spend time together. You see, a relationship with God is more than just two hours at church on Sunday, listening to the band, hearing a message. And dare I say this, and I hope Pastor Chris isn't listening right now, but we put too much of an emphasis on church. Salvation isn't about belonging to the one true church. It's about knowing the one true Christ. Two hours of your week is not enough time to really get to know someone. I'd be upset if my wife only wanted to spend two hours a week with me. And our relationship could never be all that God intended it to be because you have to spend time with someone to really get to know someone. John 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You don't recognize someone's voice until you truly know that person. If my kids call me, I instantly know it's them. I don't need caller ID. I recognize their voice because I have a relationship with them. And God wants you to recognize his voice and whatever means he's using to speak to you. And to do this, you must spend time together. You must be in relationship with him. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. This confirms our relationship. Second reason it's important to hear from God is it protects and guides us. It protects and it guides us. Proverbs 3, verse 6. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Man, I couldn't even guess the number of times that I've changed my mind or I've failed to do something because I felt a nudge from God saying, don't. 
no or stop. Things that at the time, man, they seemed like a great decision. But once I prayed about it, there was just something unsettling. And I had to take that as my answer. I mean, how many times have you made a decision? And that decision ended up being a poor decision. Maybe it was the job you quit, the job you took, the move you made, the relationship that you found yourself in. Here's the thing. Did you pray about it first? I mean, did you honestly take it and lay it before God to see if this was what was going to be best for you, if this was going to be what was best for your future? Did, if this fit into God's plan for your life? I mean, the thing is, life is a never-ending series of choices. We need to know if we're making the right decision. And listening to God produces success. I'm not talking about the success the way America views it, where you live, how you drive, how you dress. I'm not talking about fame. I'm not talking about money because that stuff doesn't make you successful in life. Success is being all that God created you to be. That's fulfillment. That's meaning in life. That's purpose. Psalm 32, verse 8, God says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Notice it says best pathway. You know that each of us has a best pathway? Mine's different than yours. Yours is different than the person sitting behind you. And see, we often get in trouble in life is because... We have a tendency to want to follow other people's pathways. And the most important factor in your pathway, it's not your background. It's not your race. It's not your bank account. It's not the opinions of other people. The most important factor in your pathway, the most important factor in your future is hearing from God. It's what Isaiah 30, verse 21 says, Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. So hearing from God confirms your relationship and it protects and guides you. So now we know why it's important to hear from God. What do we need to do to receive this guidance? How do we go about listening to God? How can we learn to recognize his voice? Well, I think the model for hearing the voice of God may be found in an often overlooked book near the end of the Old Testament. It's called the book of Habakkuk. Raise your hand if you've read the book of Habakkuk. Very few of us. Well, Habakkuk, he was a prophet. And this book is the oracle which he received. Oracle meaning a vision that he received. Much like the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. It was a vision that the apostle John received. And in the book of Habakkuk, in chapter 1, Habakkuk is asking God some very specific questions. Much like we all do at times. And he's in prayer. 
And he's crying out and he wants answers and he desperately needs to hear from God. And in chapter 2, he does a few things that puts him in a position to hear from God. And I'm going to read this to you. It's chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give this complaint. So in this scripture, in this one verse, four lines of verse one, there's four things in here that Habakkuk did to put himself in a position to hear the voice of God. And the first thing that Habakkuk does, and the first thing that it would be very wise for us to do as well, is withdraw. Withdraw. He begins, he said, I will stand at my watch, meaning I will put myself in a position to hear from God. See, in ancient times, watchmen were positioned on the walls of the city to look out for any signs of impending danger to come. A watchman would go to a high place in a castle or a high place in a tower because that's what would put him in the best position to see what was coming. And he'd be alone. He would be alone so he could focus because he didn't want any distractions. Likewise, Isaiah 21 verse 6 tells us, Go set yourselves as a watchman. Let him declare what he sees. You see, in the same manner, we have to withdraw. We have to get alone. We have to ready ourselves to discern what is coming. We need to be prepared to hear the voice of God. You can't hear God's voice if you're not in a position to hear. You can't listen if you're always surrounded by noise. You have to get alone. You have to get to a quiet place. The Bible tells us in Luke 5, 16, Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. And you've got to remove Every distraction. you got to take a break from the TikTok videos and the creeping on the Facebook pages. you got to put that phone away for a while. You shut the TV off. This is God time. This is relationship time. Nothing, nothing is more important than this time. And if you're struggling with hearing, it's usually your fault. Man says to his doctor, he says, Doc, he said, I just can't communicate with my wife. I think she's going deaf. Doctor said, well, here's something you can try on her and test her hearing. Stand some distance away from her and ask her a question. If she doesn't answer, move a little closer and ask again. You keep repeating this until she answers, then you'll be able to tell just how hard of hearing she really is. So the man goes home. He walks in the door. He says, honey, what's for dinner? He doesn't hear an answer. So he steps a little closer. He says, honey, what's for dinner? Still no answer. 
he repeats this several times till he's standing just a few feet away from her. Finally, she answers, for the 11th time, I said we're having meatloaf. (laughs) Hey, when you're not hearing from God, it's usually not God's fault. Listening requires a choice of where you place your attention. You can't listen to two radio stations at the same time. To tune in to God, you must put away anything that is a distraction that's going to divide your attention. You must put yourself in a position to hear from God. You withdraw. Now, the next thing Habakkuk does and that we should do is wait. Wait. His second line, he says, and station myself on the ramparts. What does that mean, station myself? It means you don't move. It means you be still. You calm down. Psalm 46, verse 10, be still, know that I am God. I calm my thoughts. I calm my emotions. I wait. You relax your body. You just sit in silence. Psalm 62, verse 5, my soul waits in silence for God. You know, until you learn to wait and be comfortable in silence, you're probably going to struggle with hearing the voice of God. The key is being comfortable. And the thing is, everybody has different methods for being comfortable. Not everyone is comfortable kneeling. Your knees may hurt. Your back may hurt. If you're in pain, you're not going to be hearing the voice of God. So for some people to be comfortable, maybe they'll get in their chair. And they'll just sit in the chair, the comfy chair in silence. And just listen and just wait. Maybe you wake up in the morning with aches and pains. That may not be the best time to try to listen to God. I pray in the mornings. But I don't always... Listen well in the mornings. I praise God in the mornings. I pray for my family in the mornings. I pray for the church prayer requests in the mornings. But I don't really have time every morning to listen very well. I have to get ready to leave. I'm thinking about what's ahead at work. I got to get the dogs ready. Mornings at my house can be hectic. So I'm often rushed. Now, personally, I listen better when I'm able to just kind of get away and be outside. I listen better when I'm around nature. Maybe it's just being in my porch swing or maybe it's walking out at the reservoir. But it's in that environment where I can just be still and I can just wait and I'm not being rushed because the thing is you can't force this. It's too important. Man, we need this communication. There's things in our life we need answers for. We need direction. We need guidance. Our well-being depends on it. God, what am I going to do with this situation that I'm in? God, where am I going to go to school? Should Should I marry this person? What do I do about my child right now who's doing these things? Big decisions take big prayers, but they also take patience. Some answers take a while to come. God doesn't always just yell at us. Sometimes he just whispers. He whispers to us. So we got to get quiet. 
we got to listen. Sometimes he speaks in mental pictures. Maybe he puts a, a visual in our minds or lays a desire upon our heart. As I said earlier, sometimes you just feel a nudge. Maybe you get a conviction about something and you know that's what you're supposed to do. See, God speaks in many ways. But we have to learn to recognize his voice. We withdraw and we wait. Now, the third thing Habakkuk teaches us to do to hear from God is read. Read. Third line says, I will look to see what he will say to me. Look to see. See, sometimes you got to stop waiting for a voice and you need to start looking for a verse. God's will is always found in God's word. God always speaks through his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Got to get comfortable. You pray, you listen, and you read this. The best-selling book in history. The most translated book in history. The most shoplifted book in history I found out this week as I was studying this. 85% of American households have a Bible, but far fewer actually read it. We love to read, though. Even Christians, we love to read devotionals. Hey, devotionals are good. We love to read best-selling books from our favorite Christian authors, Joyce Meyer, Joel Osteen, Max Licato, Guilty. I love Max Licato books. But here's the thing. Those books are fine to read, but don't let them replace this. Don't spend all your time reading books about the Bible. Read the Bible. Man, you don't neglect the Word of God. You see... The Bible is one way that he speaks to us powerfully every time we open it. See, the Holy Spirit has a way of focusing our attention on particular verses or passages that, we, that have special application in our life because of things that we're facing, decisions that we're making, questions that we have, pressures that we're experiencing. That's why Jesus says in John 14, verse 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And by the way, this is how you know if an idea truly came from God. This is how you test what you think you're hearing or you think you're seeing or you think you're being led to do. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not from God. To hear from God, you withdraw, you wait, 
and you read. Now, the last thing Habakkuk did and that we should do to hear from God is submit. Submit. The last line in this scripture says, and what answer I am to give to this complaint. You know what that tells us? He'd already made up his mind to do whatever God was going to tell him to do. He was going with God's plan, whatever it may be. You see, listening to God requires a right attitude in our hearts. In order to listen and receive his instruction, we must want to do his will, much as Habakkuk did. God honors the heart that's fully surrendered to him. And if we're stubbornly clinging to our own desires, we're likely to get some garbled message that will not be God's voice at all. And as a result, we're likely to continue a path that's contrary to what God is calling us to do. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I desire to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. So to hear God's voice, you need an attitude of submission. You need to surrender in advance. Just tell me what the instructions are, God, and I'm willing to do it. The problem is, man, we know what we want. And we know what we desire. And we have a way of holding on to things. Doing things our way. God says, we can't do it my way until you let go of your way. One of the best stories that I know of this is the story of Moses and the burning bush. Moses, he's out in the wilderness. He's tending sheep and he sees this burning bush. And during this encounter, God asks Moses a question. And I'm going to pick this part of the story up. So it's Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Kind of a strange story. But did you notice when he lets go of what he's holding on to? It comes alive. But when he grabs it again, it dies. God never does a miracle just to show off. He doesn't say, check out this new trick I learned. You can dazzle your friends with it. He's always trying to teach a lesson. When God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. When God asks you a question, he wants you to know the answer. God knew what was in Moses' hand. When God said, what's in your hand? He's asking you, do you know what you're holding on to? 
God is saying, whatever you're holding on to, I want you to lay it down. I want you to give it to me. Before I can do my will, I need you to submit your will. God says, my plans are bigger than yours, Moses. If you give me what you're holding on to, I'll make it come alive. I'll do a miracle with it. But every time you pick it up, every time you try to take it back, it's going to die. It's going to turn back into a, a dirty old dead stick. And Moses submitted to God. And then God used that same staff to turn the Nile River into blood. God used that same staff to part the Red Sea. God used that same staff to hit a rock at Mara and quench the thirst of a million Jews. And it all started with Moses being willing to submit, being willing to surrender, to yield what he was holding on to and say, God, I will do whatever you ask of me. You know, some of my closest moments that I have with God are when I just get away. I mean, I just get away. I may go to Morrow's Meadows in Yorktown. I get in that west corner where the, where the water splits and there's picnic tables and I just get silent. I mean, I wrote so many parts of teachings there. I just seem to listen better there. Or I go to Mound State Park outside of Anderson. I just go by myself. I withdraw. I often put on my headphones and at first I'll just listen to worship music and I'll hike. The place is beautiful. I just feel a closeness as I worship and I take in God's creation and man, I just feel his presence and I get lost in it. I mean, sometimes I can't help but I throw my hands up in the air as I'm walking. People probably pass me and think my crazy's dialed up to 10, singing and praising and raising my hands, thrusting my fists in the air. But I think one of the reasons I get to experience those moments is because I don't care what other people think. I think that's one of the biggest things that hinders our relationship with God is that we worry too much what other people think. We don't live our lives to, by what society thinks. We live our lives by what God thinks. So I'll walk and I'll worship and then I'll just sit down and I'll relax. I'm still and I just wait. And if I'm working on a message, I'll pull up the scripture that I'm going to teach on in my phone and I'll just kind of go over it and over it and kind of see what's clicking and maybe see what I feel like God's calling me to teach about it. Or I'll just open up my Bible reading plan that I'm on and I'll take a moment and I'll just read. I'll engage in the word. And I often find when I get to that moment, when I get to this particular moment, all the problems all the issues, all the questions that I was seeking answers for, 
are not that important anymore. Not compared to this. It's like this moment that I'm in trumps all of that. And then I'll pray. I'll pray and I'll just thank God. Then I'll ask, God, is there anything? Is there anything about me that you want me to change? Is there anything you want me to do differently? I'll do it, God. I'll submit. Even if it hurts me. Even if it costs me. You're the creator, I'm the created. It's about you, God, not me. And the thing that I often sense above everything else, the thing that I hear God telling me more than anything is an overwhelming feeling of God saying, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. And I enjoy spending this time together. Man, we all, we all need to hear that. And God wants to personally be able to whisper that to you. You see, we get stuck in a mind frame that it's about what we do to make God proud of us, that somehow we have to earn praise from our Heavenly Father. We can't live up to that. So we come up short. And we get caught in sin. And then there's guilt. And instead of running to the Father at that moment, we have a tendency to run away from God. God isn't mad at you. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus did. And God says, I see you struggling. God says, I see you going through the health issues. I see you trying so hard. I see you hurting. I see you doubting. God says, I want to have these moments with you. I want to have these moments with you where I can sit down with you and I can put my arm around you and I can tell you that I'm for you. And I'm proud of you. And I love you. You see, in our days that are full of crazy work hours, Nights of running kids to sports and school activities. We often neglect communication with our most important relationship that we have. So withdraw, wait, read, and submit. That, my friends, is how you hear from God. Let's stand for closing prayer. Let's bow our heads. Well, dear God, we God, we ask for forgiveness for all the times that we 
put all these other things before you. God, forgive us for the distractions and forgive us for the noises and forgive us for the voices that we've, that we've listened to instead of you. God, help us to do as Habakkuk did. Help us to withdraw and wait, to be still and listen. Instill in us a hunger, a hunger to open up your word and read it. Let us desire your answers and let us desire your will above all else. And God, thank you for reminding us today how much our relationship means to you. And if there's anyone here today or on the live stream that's never made the decision to accept Jesus and you'd like to, I invite you to say this prayer. You can say it in your heart out loud. We can all say it together. But if you're ready to have the kind of relationship that we've talked about today, or maybe you want to recommit yourself to him right now, repeat these words after me. Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness for the things I've done. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead to bring me new life. I confess him now as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to him. I welcome the Holy Spirit into my life to guide me from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.